Thank you, Ezra. And it is, uh, it is a real joy to be here. I won't say how old I am. All I'll say is uh, I, I am from the beginning of time because before the foundation of the world, he knew me and I was in him. So we're all the same age. Uh, I will say my wife is here. Four of our children are not here. We have five children. Uh, maybe this will clue you in a little bit. This year we will celebrate our 27th anniversary. Uh, so, and going strong. Our oldest will be 24 and she's married and lives in Texas. And then uh, our, actually our two oldest are out of the house, uh, but our, our second, uh, so our oldest is Allie, our second oldest is Caleb, and he's at Karis Bible College as a second year student. And uh, then our three that are still in the house, Joshua is, he'll be 19, uh, and he's a senior this year. And then Maya is 15, turning 16, driving with her permit, and Micah is 12, and he's here. So uh, it is a real pleasure to be here, and hope to see you guys more uh, as time goes on and as we um, you know, connect as, as bodies uh, of believers. I have a pretty simple message today, and this is... Uh, I, I will say this, I used to be more uncomfortable up front until the Lord took me up front and he said, yeah, don't worry about it. And it, it has become a, a thing that I have, I've told the Lord, I want to be comfortable in front of people. And he said, the only reason you won't be is if you're thinking only of yourself. So uh, my commitment is, I want to listen to what the Lord is saying, and I want to speak what he's saying. And I don't want to worry too much about myself. You, you see a lot of uh, human characteristics of people that come up here. Ezra forgot to do the, forgot to mention testimonies. Uh, Jennifer dropped her, her phone, and it's just okay. We just don't care about that stuff. It just doesn't matter. I do want to say, be paying attention because the actual verse that, the verses that she shared will be right up here on the screen, okay? Talking about the mirror, the, the, the Word of God being a mirror, and there will be a very clear, we're actually going to play a little uh, DVD that describes spirit, soul, and body. So the message today is, is called exactly that, Spirit, Soul, and Body. And uh, this message is actually from Andrew Womack. So I don't know if any of you have heard of him. But I spent some time in Colorado at Karis Bible College as a student and learned so much from Andrew. And this, this little DVD is, is probably the best description of spirit, soul, and body that I've ever seen. It's so simple, and you will never forget it. And the thing about it is, this revelation will change your life. Okay, and I, this, I'm not trying to make an overstatement. I'm not trying to be grand. This revelation will change your life. So be paying attention. I do want to just get started, 
And uh, so if we could just play part one of that and then, and I'm actually gonna go back and as soon as it's done with that, I'll come up and we'll talk a little bit about that. Hello, this is Andrew Womack and I'm gonna be talking about uh, spirit, soul, and body which may not sound the most exciting thing to you on the surface, but to me, this is one of the most exciting things that the Lord has ever shown me. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that is so obvious. We are made up of a spirit soul and body and the body is very obvious if you go look in a mirror that's the part that you see now you would be speaking to my soul which is my mental emotional part some people define soul as your mind will and emotions and I think that that certainly is true I don't think that it's all-inclusive there's more to it I believe that your conscience is a part of your soul your soul certainly includes your mental emotional part Uh, I believe it's what most people call their personality if I was to touch your physical body you can feel that but I can also touch you by words and it can touch your emotions it it can either make you glad or sad it can make you angry Uh, you can say words and hurt a person so the body and the soul are two areas that every one of us are in touch with constantly but the spirit part of us is a totally different matter Jesus said this in John chapter 3 when he says that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit and there is no direct connection between the two you cannot in a physical natural way feel your spirit the spirit cannot be accessed in any natural way and herein lies one of the great problems in the Christian life the spirit is the part of us that God communicates with and the spirit is the part of us that all of the life and the power of God flows through In James chapter 2, verse 26, the scripture there says, As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. And that just makes it very clear that the life-giving part of you is the spirit. One of the greatest keys to walking with the Lord for me has been to understand this reality of spirit soul and body that the spirit realm cannot be seen or felt the only way to discern what is spiritual truth is through the Bible to just take it and believe it Jesus said this in John chapter 6 verse 63 he says the flesh profits nothing it's the spirit that quickens the flesh profits nothing The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. It's revealing to us spiritual reality. And if you want to know what your spirit is like, then you have to go to God's word to find it out. You can't just go by an emotion, by some type of perception. You have to go to God's word. Here's another passage of scripture in James chapter 1 and in verse 23 it says, For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, 
He is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. This is talking about a mirror. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty, talking about God's word, specifically the revelation of the gospel, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. This passage of scripture is likening the Bible unto a mirror that you look in to see your spiritual face, to see what you are in the spirit. You with your eyes have never looked directly into your face. You've always looked at a reflection or a representation, but you've gotten to where you trust that. Well, the Word of God is a perfect reflection of what spiritual truth is. You can't sit there and say, well, I think that, you know, all my mascara is on and that my face is fixed, my hair is combed, and I'm ready to go. You can't go by how you feel. You have to go look in that mirror and then you trust what you see. Well, it's the same thing with the Word of God. The Word of God gives you a perfect picture of who you are in your spirit. And it's the only way. That description of this the spirit soul and body and really the transformation that happened was it that picture I don't want you to forget that the visual of the, the life of God constantly flowing flowing through he's trying to flow through us now the next the next part talks about total transformation okay so before we do that I actually want to uh, I want to go through the scriptures and I have some slides up here so first Corinthians second uh, Corinthians 5 14 through 21 let's look at that So 2 Corinthians 5.14, hopefully you can read that. Uh, we, we've read these scriptures before, okay? I, I, in fact, last Sunday, Lamar talked about these. He, he talked about verse 17. But I want to go through this verse by verse and just stop as we go along to, to mention a few things that I had missed previously. When, when reading through this. So let's look at verse 14. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died, and he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. All right. This is verse 15. Um, I had written in my Bible and just kind of looking through as I as I study and I find something, I write a little note on a cross-reference of something. So, I have written on the word for, that those who live should live no longer for themselves. I have the word as. That those who live should no longer live as themselves. Okay? That is the old man as you were. You no longer live as you were. Okay? Remember that. All things are changed. We'll get to this. Verse 16. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. 
even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, obviously, this is a verse, probably one of the most quoted verses in, in this set here. All things have become new. If, if you are born again, okay, so I'll, I'm going to back up a little bit. If you're not born again, get born again today, okay? Do not leave here. It is the easiest, most wonderful, and magical, mysterious, and yet understandable things. When you look into the mirror of the Word of God, okay? God has made so that we can be transformed. Everything happened on the cross. So he says, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. I want to talk later about this. I'm going to make a little, put a little post-it note here. I don't see you as just flesh. I regard no one anymore after the flesh. Paul says, when I look at you, I see your spirit man. I see your true self, not who you are on the outside. Okay, this is a key. It's one of the main keys to not becoming offended at people when their flesh does something, okay? That's so easy to only look at the flesh and miss the truth of what really is there in their heart, okay? So remember this, don't look at people as flesh only. And then he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation and cre creation or creature in the King James literally means a new species of being. Okay, this is a new creation. When, when God created the earth and every species that was on the face of the earth, so anything, you, you, you look outside, you see the, the plants, you, you see the birds flying, you see a rabbit run, all of those are different parts of God's creation. When you are born again, you become something that was never before created. And here's why. The only way that creation happened was when it came from the heart of God and, and, and was birthed onto the earth. You, as a born-again believer, become something direct from the heart of God. It's not just, uh, well, I'm just another Christian. No, no, that would just be spawning off of other things that, God, that, that people have done. The reason you are a new creation, it is... You go right to the source. And the Lord showed me this, that uh, when, when Jesus was conceived in the womb of Mary, the Holy Spirit hovered over Mary, okay? And Jesus was formed in her womb. She was a product of Mary and the Holy Spirit. See, it had to take both. Without Mary, there would, have been no, there would have been no place for Jesus to be. There had to be the flesh and God creating a new person. This is what's so amazing about the virgin birth. That is the exact same process that happens when you are born again. The Holy Spirit takes what is your spirit and combines himself with it. Your spirit was disconnected from God and he combines himself with it and you become a God human connection 
a God-human combination which has never before been because you are a different human than every other person on the, on the earth. You have gone from the source, connected yourself to him, and you cannot separate. If you would try to separate God out of you, you would die. Because now there is no old you. It is gone. The old you actually was swallowed up into the new creation. Okay? Now, all things are of God, this is verse 18, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the, the message or the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Obviously, we know that last verse. Again, that's something that we've heard, we've probably quoted. But I want, to, I want you just to hear this, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And he has given us the message or the ministry of reconciling others to God, pointing people to this reconciliation, this recreation of what he, what he began in the garden. Now listen, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. If I would say, God is love, you would agree, right? God is love. So there are descriptions of who God is in the Bible. We, we could just go through this and, and read, God is this, God is that, He is loving, He is compassionate, He is merciful, He is gracious, He is powerful, He is on and on and on and on. But there was a point in time where God was sin. You have to understand this. This is the key. God Himself, in the form of His Son, became sin. He made him who knew no sin, Jesus knew no sin, to be sin, not to have sin, not to just carry sin, not to somehow atone for sin. He made him who knew no sin to be sin. This is why the payment of Jesus is all-inclusive. He became sin. You could say, well, I've committed sins, I've committed sins, and, and, and we could go into lists of things that some are worse than others. The reason that we can say your sin and sins are paid for is because Jesus already became them. He became sin. This was such a revelation to me. Jesus became sin and he paid the price for it. He actually went to hell and paid the price. He suffered for it. But because he was perfect, in three days he rose again. Isn't this amazing? We're coming to this point in, in time where we celebrate Resurrection Sunday. Okay, Good Friday, all that. 
things, the, the, the terrible things that were happening, where Jesus was being led as a lamb to the slaughter. He was getting to the place of being put on a cross. When he was put on the cross, he was put in a position to become sin. All sin came and he became that for us. This is amazing. Now, the one thing I'm going to say that I, I skipped on purpose is that he was not imputing their trespasses to them. This is in verse 19. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. So when Jesus was on the cross becoming sin, God was taking the payment from every person. This didn't just come from nowhere. This came from us. This came from you and me. Not imputing my trespasses to me, but imputing my trespasses to Jesus. Not imputing any of our trespasses. In fact, talk about, uh, let, let's, let's use a world leader that isn't around. Uh, you know, we talk about Hitler. Poor Hitler, he gets blamed all the time when we talk about the most evil person in the world. Stalin was worse than Hitler. Okay, we could say any person that has, has committed terrible atrocities, people that are, that are currently today doing human trafficking and kidnapping people and selling them into slavery, you name it, people who are killing other people right now, their sins are not being held against them. See, we want to hold people's sins against them. We want to look at what they did and we want to, you're going to pay. What about a person who, a man who commits adultery on his wife or a woman who commits adultery on her husband? We want him to pay or we want her to pay. Her sins are not imputed to her. Now, we, when we hear this message, we want to run away because we go, that just means anybody can sin. Of course not. Of course not. See, what happens is, those sins are, are completely paid for, but she, I'll just use a woman, okay? She does not access it until she believes. There's only one thing that puts a person in hell or in heaven, and you said it this morning, believe. It's great. See, the Lord's already doing this message. He started before, before I got up here, before the worship team got up here. It is what you believe. See, what you believe is what give, where you give power to. Now remember, this is going back to the little, the little picture of the, the power of life going through. I want you to, to look in your own heart and think about what you believe. And then we can, let's play the uh, part two of this total transformation. <laughs> Amen. See, that's why I just wanted to play it. I can't say it better than that. I can't draw all that and make it, make it that clear. It is so simple. Like this is something a second grader can understand. We have complicated it and we've put all of these, these laws into place for ourselves to look as if we've been transformed when all the while, we are transformed. 
See, the laws, actually, can you put up the quote by Arthur Menches? Anybody here heard of Arthur Menches? He is, uh, he's from South Africa, so he has a really cool accent. And he says, you can never change a person by telling them what to do, but by telling them who they are. Law tells you what to do, grace tells you who you are. If you want some real understanding of righteousness by faith and the total transformation that has happened, go to uh, look up Arthur Menches. And he has a ministry website and, and all that, and he has teachings available. Uh, I learned probably as much from Arthur as I did from Andrew. And being at Karis Bible College, there's, there's a, a ton of really good teachers, instructors, professors that, that have been, uh, they have made a lot of mistakes. They've learned a lot over the years. They've been pastors for decades. They've, they've led in all sorts of situations and they have had to dig in and find the revelation power of God in themselves because in the fact that they have been made new instead of looking around and, and trying to trying to figure it out by their circumstances. So your circumstances will always lie to you. They will always tell you what just what the mirror of the circumstances shows. But when you can turn and look at the mirror of the word of God and believe that, see your your soul is where you believe. That's where your faith is. With the heart man believes. And with the mouth, confession is made to salvation. See, there is an agreement that happens in your soul. You either agree with the resurrection life of God in you, or you agree with the physical circumstances. Whatever you agree with is your belief. Whatever you agree with is what turns the valve. So if my hand is on the valve and I turn to the flesh, I shut, the, I shut it off. I shut off the revelation power of God in me. Okay? If I, I'm going to make sure I have it the same way that this was. It was spirit, soul, body. Yeah. <laughs> if I turn this way to the spirit and I look into the mirror of the perfect law of liberty, if I look to the mirror, I then open up the valve and allow the power of God to flow through me and my body begins to change. Healing begins to come to my body automatically by believing the truth of the word. See, we have, we have had a religious mindset, a religious view of how to go to God, how to acquire and how to access his power. We have felt like we need to grovel and sort of see ourselves as nothing. I'm nothing but a worm and I, I'm just dust. And so I, all I can do is hopefully wave a flag large enough or big enough that God somehow sees me in his magnitude and his majesty that maybe he'll take note of me and help me in my terrible situation. But do you understand God himself is in you? He cannot help but to notice your situation because it affects him. This applies to condemnation. One of the most despicable tools of the devil is condemnation. Because if the, if the devil can get you 
to impute your own trespasses to yourself or impute others' trespasses to them. He can get you to believe that they still apply. So condemnation from one person to another can, can shut the valve. Condemnation inside of you can shut the valve. You have to believe that all things are paid for. Everything is taken care of. The Lord told me this one time. He said, do you know that you can't condemn yourself? And I, 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 I wasn't quite sure how to take that. I said, well, watch me. <laughs> I'll do it right now. And he said, no, you can't. Because you have the mind of Christ. This is his words to me. He said, you have the mind of Christ and I cannot condemn myself. Do you understand? He doesn't condemn himself and himself is right here. He's in me. See, condemnation always comes from the outside. If you have thoughts of condemnation, they are being offered to you by the enemy. You either take them or you don't. When condemnation comes to you, even if it's from the inside, even if it sounds like your own thoughts, you say, I don't believe I care for that. I'll step away from that, and I will remind myself what the mirror of the Word of God says. I don't receive condemnation. This, the, the key to the Christian life is making a quick turnaround. The longer you stay looking at the mirror, the longer you, you believe it. The, 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 the easier it is that you believe it. The more you stay looking at the mirror of the Word of God, the easier it is for you to believe that. So if condemnation comes to you and you turn to the flesh, you turn to condemnation or to anything of the flesh, take that thought captive immediately. See, I've gotten to be a good repenter, a quick repenter. And I'm, I'm saying I, seconds. Don't let it go minutes. Don't let it go hours. Don't let it go days. You make a mistake. Driving down the road, somebody pulls out in front of you and you go blank, blank, blank. I can't believe that came out of my mouth. Oh, that's terrible. I thought I was better than that. And, I thought, and, and start to look here. No, just take a second to go. I am made new. That does not apply to me. I receive the fullness of freedom that comes from Jesus. Thank you for paying for that. Thank you that I'm free. And walk straight ahead. Get out of it. Get out of it quick. I'm serious. This is a, this is a big key. The Lord has told me, be quick to get out of condemnation. Ignore that. You see, when we have, especially in a group of people where we... we we get together with often, we learn to know each other, we learn to know each other's faults, and we start to see those faults, and we start to hold them against each other, and we go, yeah, well, they always do that. Or they. We start to focus only on this. Do you know that the life power of God, the fullness of the fruits of the Spirit, that are all there, cannot get from you to that other person when all you're focusing on is their faults? But when you look here and you say, that's okay. I don't see any man anymore after the flesh. I see them as perfect. They are made righteous. And you look at the person's spirit, the fullness of the, the, the 
fruits of the Spirit go right through, and you begin to sustain those who could have offended you. See, offense can never be given. It can only ever be taken. You could try to give me offense. I dare you. I won't take it. I don't believe I care for that. I won't take it. In fact, the harder you try to give me offense, the easier it is for me to deny it and say, I won't be offended. Jesus said this. He said, if, those, if you have people persecuting you, forgive them immediately. He did it. And he didn't do it just uh, to be set apart as someone different. He did it to show us the way, to show us how. See, when you see yourself as having total transformation, then you can look at relationships, like I've been talking, with condemnation, even your relationship in your own heart, your relationship with who you really are, your relationship with God, with other people, with your family. But what about your physical body? What about the thing that tries to get your attention day in and day out? That ache or pain that just seems to nag. What about that thing that maybe it's a diagnosis, maybe the doctor has said, hey, this is the, this is the fact. What do you do with something that's a diagnosis that the doctor says it's a fact? You say the first report is not the last report. I will ignore the fact and I will look to the truth. The truth will change the fact. You understand the truth is all things have been paid. By his stripes we are healed. By his stripes we were healed. Those are truths you can find in the mirror of the word of God. I've had experiences myself with uh, the Lord taking me through situations where the physical body was telling me one thing. And I have uh, is this little testimony where I got food poisoning. And I woke up in the middle of the night and my stomach was bloated. And I, I wasn't even sure if I was going to make it to the restroom. Okay, I, When I woke up, it felt like I was going to throw up. And I just rolled out of bed and went right into the restroom and hunched over the throne. <laughs> Different throne. And I, I, it, I was not feeling good. I mean, it, I was in a cold sweat. Everything was happening. I, I, I woke up into this terrible feeling, physical feeling. And the Lord immediately, I, I mean, I, I was not there very long. And he interrupted my thoughts. And he spoke to my heart and he said, you know, you don't need to do this. <laughs> I'm like, excuse me. Uh, okay. Like I could have argued with him and I felt like it. But I said, oh, what do you have in mind? What do you suggest? He said, speak to it and say these words. So as they came to my heart, I spoke them out of my mouth. He said, say, Food, you are good for me. You are good to me. Toxins, I cancel your assignment on me in Jesus' name. I said, okay. And I, I'm at the place where I could really focus on the physical, but I'm looking this way. And I said, yeah, what he said. Food, you are good for me. Food, you are good to me. Toxins, I cancel your assignment on me in Jesus' name. Whew. Like somebody deflated a balloon in my stomach. I mean, it was instant. Within about... Three seconds, I went, 
wow, I feel good. And I went back and laid down and went to sleep. Woke up in the morning and had this all in my memory of, wow, that happened last night. And I thought, how am I going to feel? And I sat up in bed, my stomach growled, and I went, man, I'm hungry. I went and ate a big breakfast, bacon and eggs and all that. Okay, you understand the life power of God had to flow through my belief. I could have argued and I could have said, oh, you don't understand. Do you know, have you ever had food poisoning? Excuse me, have you ever? Had, in heaven, you don't have food poisoning. Have you ever experienced this? See, there's plenty of examples that we can have. We could go around the room and just talk about examples of things you're dealing with right now that are a mirror shouting at you saying, this is the fact. Your answer is to turn to the truth and say, I will not receive the fact, I will receive the truth. And then the moment something doesn't actually transpire, somehow you go, I am focusing on this and the pain stays there, the first thing that comes in is condemnation. Mm -hmm.